This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Matt Grimm again here with the Planted Podcast. I'm joined once again with Thad Keenel. How's it going? It's going well. Do you ever get bored of saying that? <laughs> no, I I look forward to these conversations as we've talked about that one of the things that we want to encourage uh, our listeners here to do is find a conversation partner or two. Uh, we want, uh, I think scripture is one of those things God's given us to reflect and meditate on. And I think one of the healthiest way to, ways to do that is to have others to bounce things off of because um, iron sharpens iron. Uh, but also, uh, there's the recognition that uh, I'm fallible, and I I need help uh, thinking about things. And sometimes it's just even today uh, here in the, in the church office, I was talking to a, a couple ladies who work in our women's ministry, and they had a question about something, and we just started, you know, talking about scripture and and saying, you know, I want to let you know this is some theory here. I mean, I'm not haven't worked this all out, but let's talk about some stuff and just to be able to bounce and have this, you know, 20 minute discussion on, we were actually talking about the uh, descent of, of Christ after his death, you know, in the apostles creed, it talks about the descending into hell. And I, I'm like, I, I prefer to say he descended to the dead right? Uh, sure. instead. And so we're just talking about what, what took place there. And uh, so, yeah, so we just had this fascinating conversation, you know, for 20 minutes about what, is going on there and looking at scripture and so forth. And so all to say, uh, I look forward to these times and I, I don't get tired of that because we have these great discussions. And and so uh, I love just getting in scripture and, and having you raise some questions and me raise some questions and try to offer our best answers and look at some commentators and some well-learned people over the church history and, and even present and get their input and uh, See if we can uh, figure some of this stuff out. Right. And the part that I enjoy about this is because, you know, you have the seminary um, background and a lot more of this biblical knowledge than I do that it allows me the opportunity to throw an idea out there and maybe something that I'm also either wrestling with or just trying to develop an idea and just seeing how I can express that. Right. right? You, you, you want to be able to express things to other people that are less knowledgeable than you in, in the scriptures and, and present it in a manner that's honorable to the word of God. Right. And so um, sometimes I'll throw stuff out there and I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying. And I have somebody like you to say, well, that's good, but let's polish it up a little bit. And so that's, that's what's right. That's the, the sharpening that, like you mentioned before, you know, the edifying of the body of believers. Yeah. And, and, and we encourage you to, as we've done other times is to have those good resources to go to, to help, I know that you and I both use the Lagos Bible program and have various different, we don't always have the same titles, but we, we have a lot of that resource. We use that. There's, there's like the blue letter Bible, I think, um, online and, uh, and, and Bible you, gateway and uh, there's a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch. And we encourage you to use those resources, but also, you know, note the authors, try to figure out where they're coming from because there are, you know, different theological frameworks and things that, can, can influence, which often is, is not necessarily good or bad, just different sometimes, but it's good to know kind of where people are coming from, too, if you can't figure it out, or why it may be, why does this sound different from my pe- pre- preacher or pastor? Um, why is, 
you know, why is R.C. Sproul saying one thing and John MacArthur saying another? Or, you know, when it comes to eschatology, they don't have necessarily the same views, right? You know, so <laughs> it's sometimes it's just good to be aware of that. You know, same thing when it comes to, you know, back of our last season on Reformed theology, you know, an Arminian theologian is going to take a, have a different take on some things than a, than a Reformed, you know? So, uh, so anyway, yeah, good. It, it's good to know those things, but, uh, but even so you're having a conversation with that person in, in a sense. So even in your preparation, if you're reading a commentator or doing something, you know, you're having, you're having some, you're digesting their thoughts. Uh, but always when we do that, when you digest their thoughts, or even, you know, I know you do this with me when you digest my thoughts. Some, there are times you've come back and said, I don't know that that's what the scripture's saying. Because yeah. our test is always the word of God itself. Right. We need to be those good Bereans who are going back and testing everything that's said with the scriptures themselves. Yeah, very good. Excellent. So we probably have to do a little bit of review. I mean, we finished up through verses one and three, but you read all the way through verse 10 last time. And so yeah probably makes sense to just read it all through once again and then review a little bit and maybe add a couple of things that we might have not gotten all the way through uh, as we finished up verse three last time. Yeah, let, let's do that. And I'll, I'll read from the ESV today. I'm going to start back up in 228. ESV kind of has a pericope or a section here that they go from 228 to to 310, and I kind, of, I kind of agree and like that section. So I'll read through that and we'll jump in a little review and See if we can make it through the entire one <laughs> time right. today. It says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide and direct our conversation today. I pray that you would uh, bless Thad and I in, in our reading and discussion of your scripture. And, and for all the listeners, we pray uh, for, to do that same work in their heart and mind is uh, we desire for you to be glorified and us to be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, in your mind, what what's our connect us to last time and, and a little review and bring us up to speed of where we need to go here today. Thing. Well, last time, you know, we had talked about the first three verses of 
chapter three, and there was a couple of points of discussion. One of the one of the main things that we spoke of is the appearing of Christ. What hope we have in that, and we're going to be speaking a lot more of that, of course, in the coming passages. But the fact that we can have confidence in in Christ and in that understanding. But what breeds that confidence is the hope that we have. And that hope is different than the things that we hope for in this world. Like when I say I hope that the Detroit Lions would win a Super Bowl game someday, you know, right. that, that hope is, there's no guarantee in it. But and it there, takes a heck of a lot of faith. It is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really more faith than, it's, it's probably supernatural faith it actually would be. But, but the hope that we have is in the confidence right. that the promises of God stand. Yes. Right. And that promise of God, and that's why it says in faith, we look back at all the promises that the Lord has kept. Therefore, our hope is secure. And that hope that we have is in his glorious appearing. And so some of that that we uh, talked about was um, not only the hope that we have in his appearing, but during this time in this life that we live now, because of that hope that we have and who we are as God's children, um, there's a purifying effect that takes place in in our walk. In our in our lives, in the life yeah. of a believer, yeah, there is, and and I know we've said this in the past. We want to keep saying it is that that when we continue to grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ and what He's accomplished, um, and our faith is placed and set upon Him, and we rest in that, that is a mindset that is an ongoing, growing, developing faith that its seed is the same. It's always the same thing, but I think it grows and blossoms and becomes more known. And as it does that, it transforms our mind. And and, and we have that identity more. And therefore, out of that identity, we begin to act and apply this. And, And sometimes that action is proactive, Sometimes it's reactive. We're reacting to the world, reacting to what we're seeing, and we're speaking into it. Some of us are being proactive in going into taking light into the darkness and, and things like that. But it, it, we still have to know what that is. And, and so if we don't continue to know the, the light, know the gospel— um, invest in our relationship with Christ and look towards and be confident in, like you said, his appearing, that we'll, we'll, we'll see that that transformation is is uh, maybe stunted at times. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm confident that he who began again working me will, will, will carry it on to completion. But, but I, I find that the more I, my mindset uh, I sometimes use the terms like when when I have my Jesus glasses on, my Jesus earphones in, my Jesus gloves on, and I'm experiencing the world through the gospel and not through that old mindset of the world, then that that change begins to happen more and more. Yeah, for, and so yeah. that's what that's what we're getting at here. And and, and hopefully you don't get tired of hearing us talk about it or tired of trying to understand that in the scriptures because it is that that Jesus mindset. That is that becomes the key, and I think we'll see that more as we as we bring that up. Today. Exactly right, and this um, this hope that I was talking about, and the confidence that we would have in that, and you you said it three times in your your last statement there was about knowing 
the sun, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we know the sun, but it's by the spirit that c- comes and abides in us, that gives us a new heart. And what we're going to, I think, learn today is that, you know, as we, as humans, we wrestle sometimes with our flesh and, and the sin that remains with us, but it's not, it's not the individual sins in our lives. It's about who we are in fellowship with and that understanding of that union that we have with Christ, right. it destroys all of that. So we no longer, um, sin's been conquered, right? And if we if we can understand that more fully, we're not going to dwell so much about the the shortcomings that we have. Right. You know, and so this, I think there's going to be some really big things that ha- will come out in the study. I know it did for me. Yeah. But, you know, it, it has everything to do with, a, either the natural person who can't discern the things of God, right? right. And then there's ones that are born again, right. and those are the ones that are spiritually discerned. Right, and they are the children of God. Right. Uh, using the language here, it, it's he doesn't use the word adoption, but this is adoption language. So think about when Paul talks about you are adopted into to the family of God, into Christ Jesus. Here, we're children, and we're called the children of God. So this is family language. This is identity language That that is this new... Um, this new born again life that is uh, unite we're united to Christ as His brothers um, who are children of God by the Spirit, and so it's out of that that we hope. Our hope is in Him, verse three, and and that's uh, it's from there that we that purification is there. One, we're purified just in the act of Christ Himself, but then our life starts to reflect that. Uh, as our hope is set on is are set on him. Yeah, absolutely. And I just one other thought, I guess, as I was just looking at uh, this little passage uh, from from Romans, it says, and this is in Romans chapter eight. Um, I'm not exactly sure the verse. It might be twenty three or so, uh, but it's uh, it says not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So I say, well, wait a minute. We've already been adopted as his children. So this is one of those things that you often talk about that already, not yet. There's right. there's already the reality that we have been saved, that we have the earnest, that mm-hmm. down payment of, the, right. of that spirit that comes and resides us, that guarantees our salvation and that we are his children. But yet here it's still, it's still saying that we're waiting for the adoption which this goes to our, our our hope that we were just talking about, his glorious appearing, doesn't it? Right, yeah. So I think it, it's interesting, and he qualifies this, we await our adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so the you know the adoption paperwork in some way is done, mm-hmm. right? God, but but the we haven't really moved into the new neighborhood yet, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but yeah. I think, you know, the, the paperwork's been done, the, the judge has signed and sealed the order, you know, and it's almost like we're in transport, uh, you know, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't really moved into the Father's house yet because the new heavens and the new earth aren't here, but we're already part of the family, but it hasn't fully finally happened because we don't have our resurrection body uh, and we're not living in in one of those rooms that he's, that Jesus said he was going to go away and prepare for us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but I think, but we do have, but there's, but, but we can't already claim, you know, that new status. Uh, and so we, we have this new status. We don't have the new home yet. 
uh, which I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but I think that's what he's talking about here. In there, in uh, that we're eagerly await adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's that qualifying aspect of right. it. So. Well, and then last week, I think you mentioned the verse from Titus, that blessed hope and glorious yes. appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But also from that, um, that thought was um, from the book of Hebrews. There's a really interesting part from chapter six that speaks of, and this is in verses 19 and 20 of chapter six. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence Behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that really gets me excited because we're talking about doing a study in the book of Hebrews. Um, but there's something that it speaks of here, the behind the veil. Now, when I think of the veil, I'm thinking about maybe is that the veil in the temple like that was torn at Jesus uh, at his death? It talks about the veil be torn. But this is this is something that's behind the veil in heaven. Is this the greater... Um, temple, the greater tabernacle where Christ dwells now? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, because it says where the forerunner has entered for us. So Jesus is now in that, I'm, I'm thinking, is now in that temple. He's already conquered um, the final sacrifice, so we don't need the earthly temple anymore, right? We are, right. that's what we are now is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. But that hope that we have, in essence, and I guess this is where I really wanted to go in short, we don't have to try to examine this whole passage, but it's saying that the hope that we have is Jesus Christ. It is. And he has, I think what we have here is an interesting dynamic because we know from the book of Hebrews that the, the temple here on earth or the tabernacle along with a pattern or shadow or type right. of, of that, uh, which is truly, the, the really real one is in, is in heaven. So is there a veil in heaven the way there was here on earth? I, you know, interesting to think about. I don't know that, would you, would you need that in, in, in the, the veil well, of, of separation right. that's there, but it's possible. Well, the only yeah. thing that I would say that it's probably not a veil that's veiling Jesus from the rest of the heavenly realm, right. but the veil that's separating him from our reality here on earth, that, that physical reality, you know, that's the separation. But, but now, um, as believers, because the veil on the earth has been torn, it says that we have access to the throne. It, it, exactly right. And I think it, there'd be no need for that. You know, in, in some senses in the new Jerusalem, it says the whole earth is the temple. Uh, you know, there is in that sense. And so I think that it is a picture of that veil, that, that, that fellowship is full and complete. And so even now we have that in, in, in the heavenly realm in the fact that we do have access to that. Now there's still a veil over our eyes and there, we're still in the, the, um, the vessel of this human body, even back to the Romans eight, right. That we're awaiting right. that redemption. So we still have this, there is a sense in a barrier there, but there's not a barrier in terms of fellowship and in back to 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 first john this koinonia that we have there bef before there was this veil of separation that this thing we, there always had to be that constant sacrifice before the temple and and that that made people aware 
of of what it took to be in God's mm, yeah, to be right. in God's presence. Yeah. I you know I often say that I used to say that God couldn't be in the presence of sin, but I I, I flip it around now because um, it's more sin can be in the presence of God because it would just be obliterated, right? Right, right. and and sinful people couldn't stand in the presence, right? Of Even God. Moses couldn't see the face of God, right? Right. And so yeah, but, and he was veiled in that. Sense. Yeah, but G, just... but we have a constant covering right for now. Um, that, that there's a an ongoing. It says Jesus is constantly interceding for us, and I think it, part of that, that that intercession is that he's in a, he's in constant forgiveness mode, <laughs> right? <laughs> that he is that uh, that mercy seat, that ongoing atoning sacrifice for us, and so with that we um, he is that high priest forever. He's he's always he is he's both the priest and the sacrifice. Uh, which I think is one of the things that comes out in Hebrews, right? right? Sure, sure. And so, as it relates back to this, he, um, and it's in that that in him, it's in him we are purified. Back to, to verse three, right? That, that in him, uh, it's that hope of knowing that that him purifies it as he himself is pure. And so, we look to his appearing, and and in one sense, you could say, okay. You know, when we get our redemption bodies, our resurrected bodies, and we're in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, we will be purified. We won't have to wrestle with sin. We, you know, but, but we kind, of, but we still do now. Uh, well, that's where this is going to go. So, right. do you have any further thought on that? Well, oh, no, no. I think that was leading into the right the and so practice this is, of sinning. So, I just so enjoyed those last couple of verses because it just took us to. Um, you know, earlier in, in chapters one and two, it's kind of talking about there's, there's these leaders that are going to try to lead you away from the truth and the, then we're to focus on that one true light and we're to abide yes. in, in that light and stuff. And then we just had this great visionary of being confident of his glorious appearing and all these great things. And now we come to, to verses four through six and it, it says, I'll just read it again, but in verse four, it says, it starts... Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was made manifest to take away our sins, and then in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor knows him or has known him. And I'm thinking, okay, we just came off a couple verses there where we see this great love of God as his children. We have this confidence and his glorious hope. And now here we are, it feels like we're coming right back to the, the comparison to sin and righteousness. And man, it's come on, John, leave me alone here for a second. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's gotta be a, a reason that he's bringing us back to this moment. Right. Yeah. I think there is, I think one of the false teachings, one of these antichrists that's leading them away um, is in this some people call proto-Gnosticism or the first, the beginnings of Gnosticism, where we have this extreme dualism between what you can know on a spiritual intellectual level and versus what is in the kind of the physical realm. And that this strong separation can, I think we've mentioned before, can have two reactions. One can be an extreme form of asceticism where you have to, you know, you're constantly like beating up your physical flesh in order to achieve the spiritual, or you just say, you know what, the physical doesn't matter. Whatever I do in the body doesn't matter. I can just do it as long as I have this intellectual, spiritual understanding of this logos, right? And I think he's addressing here that side of it, that second side of it, where 
the, these people were saying, as long as you have Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do. You can practice whatever you want because he's saved you, he's redeemed you, and what you do in the body doesn't matter. Right, and all that does is contradict even what he's beginning to say, right? Because if, you, right. if you're in him, you, you don't live right. a lawless life, right? And again, it's not just about the—it's not about keeping Torah, at this point, right? It's not necessarily about that. When we talked last time, I think you mentioned, I was kind of trying to lead you down this, this road and you, you changed it up on me a little bit, which made me a little bit, you know, irritated, but now, <laughs> now I have to ask the follow-up question. So um, I said, Jesus lived the perfect life and that he fulfilled all righteousness and that he, he didn't sin and all that. And you said, yeah, but it was more than that because he kept the covenant. Yes. You know, there was a covenant right. relationship between the law. So the, it's not just about keeping every picadillo of the, Right, exactly. I think so. And I think it relates a little bit back to um, when we had the discussion on what does it mean to, uh, in the beginning of chapter two, to keep his commandments. That the covenant keeping and keeping in that sense isn't just the end, each individual little law or so forth, which when you break a law, there's a deep, what's the deeper thing behind it? It's, 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 it's that, um, do you have that loving loyalty to the, the king? Uh, that you entered into this covenant with. You know, so it comes to keeping Torah, you know, you can have the pharisaical idea of keeping Torah, right? Um, which is, I'm going to even add other laws on top of it to make sure I don't break the laws that were given there, right? That, that I'm going to just do my best to, to um, pull myself by, by my bootstraps and keep it, um, which, again, the, you know, there's, Gosh, there's so much involved in that. You can have an okay—the initial motive of wanting to keep the law, what's that come down to? Right. And how do you think you're capable of keeping it is a bigger issue. But the, but but behind all that is, why do you want to—do you want to keep it out of love for God? Are you doing it, are you doing it out of just self-protection? Are you doing it out of—because um, I, I don't, I don't want to mess up— you know, do you see God as this angry God who's just ready to zap you? Or do you see God as this loving creator who wants to give you all good things? And so keeping Torah in that sense, keeping his instructions, is really about keeping your word to him because he's kept his word to you. Yeah, see, that's it. But, you know, and but it's verses like this that make it tough for us because when we're just reading this this book, in fact, if we only had this chapter, right. it'd be disconcerting to me because it says whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. You know that yeah. that's uh, there's a the law is associated in here somewhere, and so the sin is got to be literally that the breaking of the law, and sin is lawlessness. It says so. Right. Sin. We sometimes say that that word sin um, comes from the description of missing the mark. Yeah. Right. So there's right. a perfection mark and in, in, in archery, for example, hit the bullseye. Right. You missed that by a little bit. You missed a mark. You're, you're, you know you right. you failed to be perf- to be perfect, and that's right. what. If we were to walk into the heaven, in fact, Adam, yeah. go back to the beginning, you know, he had no sin within him to begin with. Right. And if he would have walked it out perfectly, he would have obtained that righteousness maybe. Right. But then the pride kicked in, right? Yeah. And well, and I often say when it comes to missing the mark, I think when you look at the whole narrative scope of scripture and you look at, at what's being told, the missing of the mark isn't that oh, Adam was trying to hit the bullseye and he just was off by 10 centimeters or five centimeters. No, what you have with the story of the, of the tree is he went for a different mark. He missed the mark, not because he was trying to hit the mark. He actually said, no, I'm going to choose a different target. 
And that's what our sin is. is and that's what the, the rest of this paragraph, I think, is talking about in terms of children of the devil versus children of, of God, is the problem with, with pract- the practice of lawlessness is you've gone to a whole different mark. You're aiming for a different tree. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've gone from the tree of life to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and I think that's the bigger thing. So when it comes to sinning here, it's not just that I mess up. Um, one time or two times, because we, we see back in First John that he says, you're going to sin. And if you deny that, you know, you're making God out to be a liar. The issue here is the practicing of sin, the ongoing habitual characterization. That's why we have the story of the two different children. You have children of the devil and children of God. You're characterizing an entire life. Right. And, and so when we, when we look at here, it's, whoever, it's not just whoever sins, it's whoever has this ongoing habitual, habitual practice of sin. And so take this—I uh, was thinking about this today in terms of— um, Thinking about um, like some of the stories or movies or even um, TV dramas where you have crime families, right? If you've ever watched a show, like a TV show about a crime family or a movie, think about think Godfather. about The Godfather, for example, right? right? You know, it, within The Godfather, you know, the Corleone family, they do some good things. They show some decent, at times, traits towards one another, you know, but as a family— their whole family is characterized by doing bad stuff, <laughs> even though they can do some good stuff now and then. At the right? heart of their right, of the at heart the heart of their, of their existence, existence is to do bad, right, right. And so, in the end, you know, they they choose even to kill their own brother, you know, because because the because we got to keep the family business alive, and right. he's a threat to it, yeah. you know. And so that's what I think's going on here is what's when you look at the overall characterization. Uh, is what he's getting at here. So everyone who makes a practice of sinning, an ongoing habitual, if they're, if you look at the h- habits of their life, it's it's this ongoing sin. Now, when I look at my life, I'm like, man, is that me? Because I still I've had some habitual things in my life that I've all struggled with, and the question is, is do, do I just overlook that, or it, or have I really wrestled before God? Do I plead with Him and and is there this ongoing repentance I think in that's my gonna, life? Yeah, I, right? think, I think you're right. And I think it's also going to come out the further we get into this um, next upcoming you know, verses as right. well. But one of the things as I was reading through a couple of the um, commentaries on this is that the word for lawlessness is not really the opposite of the law. Um, and what they were saying is that the, I think it's the Greek word anomia. Um, the, it says in the new Testament that the transgression of the law, when it speaks of that, or I'm sorry, that that word anomia, um, that speaking of just transgressing the law or, 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 or missing one of the laws and stuff like that, it's kind of absent. It's more about that lifestyle that you were talking about, who you're associated with. In fact, this, uh, one professor here, uh, De La Portier in his article, sin is iniquity. He pointed out that in the Septuagint, um, in the different ways that it trans- translates the Old Testament Hebrew and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that it the word anomia, if I'm saying that correctly, I believe I am anomia, mm-hmm. is the um, it it only really has association with Satan um, when it's used, and also in two places it's used to translate the word you're going to love this Belial, hmm. which we've talked about in some of our other stuff, right? So you're 
100% correct in what you were saying, according to this guy, yeah. that it's an association. Who, Who's your father? Right. You know, and if we are adopted, because it's we're going to read something here that it says that if you're born of God, then you don't sin. Well, in what sense? Exactly. It's got to be in this sense, because we know that we fall short in our flesh and our and that part of it actually breaks the law of God, right? Right. But we don't sin because we're associated with him because we're righteous under his covering. So it has it has everything to do with that association, right? right? And therefore, we can have co- that confidence again is based on not our perfect performance and beating ourselves down every 30 seconds to make sure that we're yeah. trying to obtain it by works again. Right. Cuz that that you're going to fail. Right. Yeah, and, and and it's been helpful for me I hope it's helpful for you uh, and and our listeners that in in the way my brain works, distinguishing between merit and obligation, and that obligation is not meritorious as, as especially if it relates to like my justification, but but it's it's a loving. I have a loving duty. Duty when it comes to love and loyalty is a good thing, and and having an obligation to want to. Um, you know, being obligated to my wife and not having sex with other women or not even get too emotionally and, and uh, attached and in, that intimacy, not just physical intimacy, but emotional and intellectual and spiritual intimacy with another woman is a bad thing. Right. Not because those things are bad, but because no, my, the intention is that I have that just with my wife. Yeah, there's the pureness to that relationship. Right. And, and that loving loyalty to her uh, and growing in that is an expression of of shalom and peace because when I if I start entering into that with another human, uh, especially another female human, in an in, in inappropriate way, it brings threat and danger to the purity of that relationship, which um, which I think is again part of that character characterization of of knowing what it means to obviously have a relationship with Christ and there's, you know, and, 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 and the father, son, and spirit that, that any other loyalty, if I start, if I start expressing that kind of loyalty to something else, whether it be an institution, if I have that kind of loyalty to like the college I graduated from, um, it's inappropriate. And the thing is, is that often in their communications to me as an alumni and wanting me to give them money and to promote them and do all that stuff they would like me to have the same loyalty I have to God to them. And I, I've had to tell myself, is, is it bad to give money to that institution? Is it bad if, if, it, if it did some good thing for me? No, but yet, what do they really want from me? And, yeah. and so, and, 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 and if, I, if I start, you know, and it's not that I never wear a Purdue t-shirt, I do. I root for their basketball team and things like that. But I've also, over the years, realized that I have too much loyalty to them in some things, right? And so when my team loses a game, if it if it puts me in a bad mood the rest of the day, then there's some form of idolatry there that I need to deal with, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And, and so so all I bring all this up because... Um, that What's that habitual thing? Because that was becoming... I use that example because there had become an habitu- a habitual, ongoing problem with me that when my team did poorly, if it had a huge negative effect on me, then the Lord said, no, you've got to address that you know, issue because 
that's not the new Matt. The new Matt is loyal to me and, and finds life in me. And if you're finding life in whether or not your team wins or loses, there's nothing wrong with being a little disappointed and rooting and all that stuff. But when, when it really starts affecting life, and, and I'm in a, in this really bad, and I'm grumpy with my wife, and I, I, I'm, I'm mean to my kids because my team lost. Oh my gosh, right. that's 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 a practice that that needs to stop. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and and because I'm because it's evidence that I'm trying to get fruit in life from something that I can enjoy or not enjoy, but it shouldn't matter that much. Right. Well, right? absolutely. And in regard to the way that we're defining this. Um, this lawlessness or this sin and iniquity that we're speaking of, it's coming on the heels as we look back in the earlier chapters of people who are preaching the false gospel, right? That's right. Yeah. And so the people that are doing that, it's Satan and and it's the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? It's Satan comes as, as, as this angel of light type of thing, but it's a false gospel. And so it's, uh, it's a very deceptive, and very tricky thing to navigate sometimes. That's why we have to stay focused on his word. And as we as we look back at that, we can separate or at least further define, I think, the difference between just you know breaking God's law is compared to following right. or, or leaning on a gospel other than that of Jesus yeah. Christ. It, it says, you know. As yeah. his children or not as his children. And you said it's a tricky thing, and I want to go back to this because Pastor Winans in our staff chapel last week even brought some—he he quoted some author talking about um, how the most dangerous people—he had all these P words—you know, to, to the church are not— Oh, not necessarily the pimps and the prostitutes and the politicians. <laughs> he said it's actually the preachers. He said because— the preachers who are preaching something other than the gospel, yeah, that they do more damage than the pimps and the prostitutes and the politicians. Sure. Um, that why? Because and it made me think about back to chapter two when we talked about the antichrist, verse nineteen. He says, he says, um, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out and. They might um, become plain that they're not of us. And so what is tricky about it is, is they, off, they originate from within the church. They originate from within the fellowship, and then they go off um, preaching a false gospel, right? But it seems like they came out of us. And it's tricky at times because the very people who we think um, sometimes we should be listening to are the, are the ones that actually become the children of the devil. If you think about Jesus' interaction with the uh, Pharisees, he had, uh, I think it's John, uh, John chapter 8, uh, and this is other places too, but John 8, uh, 44, he, he's, there, people are questioning them, and, and, and he's, he says that, no, your father's the devil. They're like, no, Abraham's our father. Yeah, right. <laughs> but in verse, 80, verse 44 of chapter 8, he says, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. That was one that one was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand firm in the truth because the truth is not in him. Whenever he speaks speaks the lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. And he's saying this to people who know the Torah. Right. Yeah. Well, why? You know, why is that going on? And so, you know, it's easy 
when, you know, even back to our passage and think about the one who practices law, it's easy to, to, to look at, you know, um, you know, the, what his name, Hugh Hefner, you know, it's easy to look at uh, Hugh Hefner and say, oh, he's, a, he's, his, he's, his father's the devil. Cause just look at what he's doing. Well, yeah, but what about the ones who come out from us? Right. You know, what about, what about the ones who are, um, uh, well, the, who are, yeah. The, and the big point is here is that let's just say the Pharisees, I would say a good chunk of them probably have the Torah memorized. Right. Right. So they know the word, but they're not preaching the truth of that word. They're using it contrary to its, Im, you know, its implicit purpose. Right. You've been using it to maintain power, to maintain status, right. to, to lift themselves up in right in that way. And so, um, so I think it's very important to have brothers and sisters in Christ around you, not just to discuss the word with you as we talked about too, but also to call us to account. So if I'm if I'm ever not exhibiting that love, if I'm not practicing the righteousness, um, then then I could you can have a preacher who's who's preaching the word, and then you look at their life and the way they treat people, and and we've seen this. I mean, we've very public figures who are at, who, who they're like, but look at look at your life. Uh, you're not you're not this way. Uh, you're not you're not practicing what you're preaching. You know, or 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 look at what you're you're, you're preaching. I, I you know I pick a lot on the prosperity gospel people. You know, because you can you, you preach. Oh, it's all about this. What I get, what I get. And so you got this. You know, this pastor who's got you know multi million dollar home and three jets and and you know all the most expensive things in the world. And yeah, he goes off and does a little mission trip and he does this little thing. You know, to, to kind of say I'm doing good or whatever. But but look at your life. And in what you're practicing, you're hoarding, and you're you don't treat people, you know, nice unless you're on camera, right? You know, kind of a thing. And it's like, you know, be if, careful, right? Be careful with your life, right? And it's not that there's anything wrong with the money, but the message that he brings, and for those of us that you know understand what the scriptures are saying, um, there's so much twisting to to that gospel message, right? He might preach Christ, he might preach him crucified, and and that he died for sins, right? But the a lot of it is false truths, or it's you know it's just lies, and so that's right. Belial, you know. That's yeah. it's exactly what what you're saying. So now, um, we, so we were talking about um, in verse three there, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now, as we move into verse four here, it says, "And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him." Does not sin. Now, this is kind of what I was talking about. Wait a minute. We're in five and six now. Yeah. Five and six. Yeah. So five and six. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Five and six. So five and six. Now, sorry about that. So now it says that if we abide in him, we do not sin. Now, we abide in him through our union with Christ, through that relationship, right? Right. Um, So this is the thing that I was talking about. In one sense, we don't sin. In another sense, we do. You know, this is what I'm saying. Well, well, the ESV here has made the choice to go keeps on sinning. So they're trying to reflect the tense of the verb here and things in terms of like this ongoing practice. So it is this, you know, ongoing life kind of thing. But I think there is something in this that I, I don't believe in. I'm not schizophrenic. I don't believe in some like dual nature within me. Right. But I do think there is what I call the old mat and the new mat. The old mat 
has been crucified with Christ, but there is still these habits and these things that can happen and things and patterns of life that can fall back into. But the new Matt in me, he's he's purified and he's righteous in Christ. It's, it's the new creation that is covered, constantly covered in by Christ's atoning sacrifice, who's in union with Christ on an ongoing basis. Um, and so with that, there's a sense that even if I do something if, so here's my question. I'll use, I'll use the old that and the new that, okay? <laughs> so um, in what you see, let's say I'll just – and I'll use your, your – your wife sees you do something that you shouldn't do. You um, – Stole her ice cream bar. You, yeah, yeah. Okay. So is was that the old that or the new Thad? Or was it just Thad who did it? I yeah. mean, and once it's Thad did it, you did it, right? Right. Well, the question is – did is the new Thad capable of sinning? Well, we have to change it from the ice cream bar because I think I can still justify that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, all right, let's just say that she had a hundred dollars sitting on the desk that belonged right. to her. Whatever, well, let's, nice let's, whatever. well, let's just say let's say she um, she said something and you snapped back at her. Okay. Yeah, you're tired, end of a long day, and you and you snapped at her. Yeah. You said something unkind. Yeah, yeah. The okay. old the old man is just just came out of its shell. Right, right. Yeah. right. Now, Thad, you know, she say, Thad, that wasn't very nice. You know, you, you, you okay. So that that's the question. Who who is, is did you sin in that sense? Um, you know, according to these verses, how do you reconcile that? Yeah, you just snapped at your wife. And you, you know, you, you even in the, you look back in the moment and you say, okay, no, I shouldn't have done that. You, you acknowledge it. You repent right away, but yet you still did it. So what's going on here as, in, as it relates to yeah, this? I think that I broke God's law in that sense and that I, that I did sin. But in light of what you just said on how this verb form works yeah. in a continuous fashion, keep does not keep on sinning. Right. Right. When... When I recognize that, and the Holy Spirit pricks my conscience, and I, and I'm repentant of that, then, um, that's that's the difference between, you know, the new man right. and what my old man would have just harbored that resentment for a long time, maybe right. or or whatever. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right, and so that's part of dwelling in Christ that we're we're quickly restored, and I think the the more mature we get. The, the quicker often that happens, that 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 restoration back into fellowship, the uh, willingness to acknowledge that is it, it takes less time than maybe it used to, right? Uh, to go back to my example now of when I, you know, um, you know, my team losing a game, that hopefully, you know, that 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 is is it doesn't <laughs> affect me for as long as it used to, or or even in the midst of the game, you know, I see the writing on the wall, they're going to lose, you know, that. Instead of just getting, you know, I'm just like I start to accept it, and I and I start to say, okay, um, let's let's not let this affect the rest of my day, uh, or even like the, even in the moment, I can either turn off the TV and not have to watch the end of the game if I see it's going to affect me that way, or I can I can say I can watch the rest of this game and and just okay, I'll just maybe I'll look at things that could be could have done better, you know, maybe I'll play the role of the coach and okay, well, how would I instruct my team to not to not be this way and not, instead of instead of letting it just like ruin my mood or whatever right i mean there's ways to address those kind of things right. where 
that I think I've grown in some of that. I mean, that's kind of a, a trivial. Uh, the, the example of dealing with your wife's much more important than your team. <laughs> you know, well, I think thanks for same- placing that one on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it, but but it is important to me as I, as it relates to my walk with Christ and how it how it does sure. you know so as it does affect me. But but I think it does as, as we go back that, that 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 important to see the abiding, the keeping, that this ongoing fellowship and relationship. Because in verse seven, he 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 says, "Little children," and and this might be an affection. To some translations, might have beloved children mm-hmm. or. Um, Getting back to this affectionate thing is letting no one deceive you, uh, because sometimes, sometimes our our sin is is not even it's willful, but it's it's because we've been led in the wrong direction, right? You know, and so he's wanting them not to be deceived, um, and and especially here, I think it is this: you have this teacher who's saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter if you keep on doing that because what you do in the body doesn't matter," right? Right, and so he said, "Don't be deceived by that because the practicing righteousness is important." Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Well, who's the he in verse seven? Well, the, the I mean, the he that is righteous is Jesus Christ. Yes, right. And so, again, who are you identifying with? Who who is your characterizing yourself after? Who is your model that you're trying to be like? Are you trying to be, are you a member of the Corleone family, <laughs> right? Or are you a member of, of Jesus' family? You know, what, what is it? That, that's, the, that's the case right. here. Because in verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. You have a different father. Back to the, the gospel passage of, you know, in, in John 8. Sure. And so what is that? Uh, because the devil um, has been sinning from the beginning, Oh, okay. What? So let's let's look at it this way. Can I notice what characterizes Jesus' life? What's his life been from the beginning? We have Jesus. We talked about his beginning back at the beginning of John. He is always with the Father, but he also, even from his incarnation, from the very beginning, his whole set purpose of life was to stay loyal and true to the Father, to be faithful, to live out that covenant. Um, and it's not just that he kept every jot and tittle of the Torah; it's that he kept. The, the command that do you love me right right yeah and his, his love originated with the father and his love of father then character uh, overflowed into characterization of he loved his neighbor as himself right he never broke that he never broke either tablet of the law of the Ten Commandments right yeah uh, and so he he bore um, the name of Christ which is very interesting because here it, it um I think that some translations of the uh, of this, there's a word in here I'm trying to remember that could have been translated um, to bear instead of, but it's almost like to take this. Okay, it, it's back in verse five. I kind of skipped over this. That this, what does he do? Um, he says, "You know that he appeared in order to take away sins." And this this word for take away could also be um, translated as. Do you have the New King James there? I do. Yeah. And what a, does it say? It says to take away. Or it says to take away. Also, okay. It says take away, but it also um, on that verb form there. Well, you go ahead and finish it up because you, you you brought it up. Well, it it, it it's um it, it's this. I'm trying to look up the Greek word it's real to, quick. It's to carry off or to or to or to lift up. It's to lift up or to carry off, right? But it, it has this notion of carry, and it makes me think of the third commandment: is don't 
don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't carry the Lord's name in vain. Now, I did go up and look. I looked it up in the Septuagint, uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It is a different word. It's not the very same word, but it, but it's it, but it's synonymous. It's it's a synonym. Um, so it's it's not the word anomia or not. I'm sorry, that's the word for lawlessness here. Um, I need to get back to First John. Yeah, well, I've got the Septuagint translation of that. It says to take up, raise, or lift up. But um, are you looking at a different? Yeah, well, well, well I'm looking at, in First John three. Uh, the the word for take away there, that is the word ara. Which I think in the this the but in the uh, Septuagint of the of Exodus chapter twenty, I think it's the word lamban. They use the word um it's a different Greek word for carry or to take up. But but the, I think they're but they're kind of they could be synonyms. Oh, okay, I got you. Is what I'm saying there. Is that so what what's interesting, what I'm thinking of here is as um he has to carry away our sins. <laughs> Right, but he carries the name, uh, but we carry the, his name with us in in the sense that our life is to be characterized. This ongoing characterization of our life is to be righteousness, right? Uh, and it's so, it's interesting the, the the verb that we talked about to carry away or to lift up. It so coincides with the cross. Yes, it does. It does. But it, it, but it, it, it in my mind. It, I keep think I keep coming back to the third commandment of care. How do we carry the name or bear the name? Yeah, right? right. And so part of that is that our life is to be that of righteousness because Jesus is righteousness. Um, uh, but but in order for that us to be able to do that, he has to carry away our sin. And so I, I think like the scapegoat, right? Who carries away the sins into the into the wilderness, right? Sure. Uh, and so, but it there's two carrying that's going on. In one sense, we our sin has to be carried away, but yet we are to bear the name. We're to witness. We are our life. Then is to as that's carried away from from God, as it's taken away, we take on um, and we start to carry a new name, the name of Jesus, which is righteousness. Yeah. Um, which to me again goes back to the third commandment. So it's just very no, it's interesting. perfect. I mean, it so goes with the, the the word righteousness, right? Because that has that has to do at the moment of our salvation. When we've been justified, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 righteousness of Christ is is given to us. Right. He's carried away our sins. That double um, imputation that we talk yeah. about, right? Our sins are imputed to Him, and His righteousness is imputed to us. There's nothing in of our, ourselves, but that's a that's just a great image. Oh my goodness, this is so cool. Um, and again, like you were saying um, earlier, um, it has everything to do. With being his child, I mean, it might be the yes. reason that he keeps emphasizing this little children thing, right? Right. Yes, because verse nine: everyone who's fathered by God does not practice sin. Well, we just had that conversation. What does it mean? It, it's it's this ongoing characterization of our life that if we're fathered by God and we have this new nature, we are the new man, we are a new creation. Okay, then our life. Character is characterized by a different kind of way, a different way. I th- again, I go back to Galatians five, right? The, the, we're characterized by the fruit of the spirit. We start to take on the qualities of Christ, 
in our life, and which is who is the righteous one. And ultimately, that righteousness isn't, again, just the individual acts of doing the right things. It's, it's actually faithfulness to, to the Father, which, which shows itself them a light in a life of justice and mercy and love. We think about the Habakkuk, um, you know, passage of of you know what it means to love mercy and to do righteousness, mm-hmm. uh, to do justice. Uh, that that's what Jesus did. He he did justice, which is um, which is the doing of, but it's the living out of the life of love to the Father. Um, because he's our father, right? Which he just says here in verse nine, everyone who's fathered by God doesn't practice sin because his seed, it resides in him. Um, he's, that's, that's this new life that we have in him, that we've been born of uh, the spirit, right? Uh, so Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna ask you this uh, maybe yeah. um, to wrestle with it because we talked about the verb tense, you know, uh, earlier saying you don't continue in sin. Mm-hmm. But here it says, and he, who, that is whoever's remaining in, in Christ, and he cannot sin because mm-hmm. he has been born of God. Now, again, is this the same type of thing um, as far as like we don't continue in sin or is this actually a, a different, in a different sense, like in capacity? Well, so we have this word here, this uh, poieo, okay, to make, to produce something, to, to manufacture. And so the, you have this human activity that, that this, um, this, this person does not poyo, doesn't make sin, doesn't practice sin, to undertake to do something that brings about the condition of or whatever. So there's this sense in which it is, it is that, and it, it, it is in the present active indicative Sense. So it's a verb that is a present active sin. So you're not in the practice of making sin, right. in essence. Okay. okay. So that so one, I, right. So, it, it, so, so everyone who is fathered by God does not sin, does not practice sin. Your life isn't characterized by the ongoing undertaking of of sin. Okay. Now that one I kind of understand. Now what about the one that follows that? Okay. Um, that says... Um, the seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. There, it's a different uh, form of like cannot. I yeah, mean. he's not able to sin. It's actually, um, it's the word uh, dunatai or dunamis. This pa- the, the, it's uh, this power we think about. It's we, it's the, Is that where we get the dynamite type yeah, it's, of it's power. The, yeah, it's the it's the later dynamite. Now it doesn't uh-huh. mean uh, again, obviously. You know, John did not know what dynamite was. No, I understand. Was, I just was right? saying, but that's but kind the of point. A but it is that it's power. it is that he that we no longer have the the power to sin. What do you mean? Well, we just taught. We just said. Well, you know, we we both realized that we both do still sin, right? So what is that? Um, and I think it, it's it's the it's the the new man in us doesn't produce ongoing sin. Uh, I I think so. Uh, this is one of those things that is um it has to do with the ability that God gives us right right so the new man his ability is to follow the spirit right uh, and so the to possess cap- the dunamai here is to possess capability whether because of personal or external factors for experiencing or doing something he what is he capable of and and I, as it relates to sin 
I think what we say about the new man is he now has the capacity to not sin mm-hmm. anymore. Sure. And I think that's what this is expressing here is now where before when I when my father was the devil before I was the new man I could not I could not do anything but sin. And now I have the capability, the capacity to not sin. Right. And uh, so, and just like we, the God-given ability um, to have faith in him, right? There's um, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him, right? right. That, that, that type of thinking. So God gives ability um, in obedience and true faith because we have a renewed heart. That's that's our our following is to obey the call of God because we've been given a new heart that can believe, right? And in the same sense, but maybe in the opposite direction, because of that same ability, we don't live out our lives in sin. Now, that being said, for those of us that aren't children of God, I mm-hmm. mean, there's only one other solution to that. The other the other possibility is then you're a children of Satan, right? You're a child of Satan. And in that case, there's nothing that you can do that's not sin. I mean, they might not break a law, but they're living a complete life of sin because... They have no ability not to, because there's no because that's all of Christ. Right. There's two. There's only two teams in the Bible. Yeah. There's not. There's not a third option. We've we've talked about that before. There's no, you know, there's no middle ground. There's no you're you're one or the other. Now, in in one sense, this was the mindset given through the scriptures of the Jewish people. Right. There's Jew and there's Gentile. There's us and there's everyone else. Right. Now, how can we take that wrongly? How can that be wrongly applied? How did the Jews wrongly apply that? Because I think it's makes it's it's very important for us as Christians to understand this too. So can you express how the Jews wrongly applied this two team option? Well they put their hope in a bloodline. Yes. Right. So so it's the same thing. If my as a if my hope as a Christian is in the fact that my parents were Christians, right? right. And let's say I was baptized, or I became and I identified with the church, and, and so um, if if my hope, my grandma was a believer. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Right, yeah. or 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 I prayed a prayer when I was eleven at youth camp. Right, we can do the same thing in that way. Sure. Right, that if my hope is in anything other than Christ, if my hope is in the fact that I've that I'm attend church, that I was baptized as a kid or even baptized as an 11-year-old or baptized as a 30-year-old. If my hope was in, is in that act instead of in the one and who it represents, then, then I've got it wrong. Um, it, it's always in, where, where's my identity? My identity is in Christ, not in any of these other things that we can sometimes misappropriate. So I think even as Christians, we could fall into that Jewish problem of saying it's in a bloodline, or right, you know, or I'm saved because, you know, like I'm I'm a Grim and, and all my the Grims before me were Christians. Well, you know, no, it's it's in Jesus. Jesus is the hope. Uh, all along. And so it's the same thing here that my where's my fatherhood is in God and in that sense it's in it's in the fact that I'm adopted son because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be very careful how we we can misapply that. Right. Uh, well, as well. Yeah, and verse 10 is 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 going to answer this right. for us in full, right? Yeah. It what's the evidence of being the child of God and the child of the devil? It's in he who practices righteousness. Um 
who does not practice righteousness is not of God, namely the one who does not love his brother. Oh, oh so all oh. I got to do, all I got to do is love you. <laughs> if I love you, I'm good. Yeah. Is that what it's saying? It's not. No. Well, we have no capacity to truly love, you know, yes. one another without the love of God that truly dwells in us. And that's th- that has everything to do with going back to the beginning of the life, that, that Christ is the life, yes. and in him was the light, and that we are to walk in that light just as he is in the light from chapter one. It does. It, like, cause, or even in chapter two, when we had the discussion about love of the world or love of God, it's, the issue isn't love. The issue, what's the object of your love? Right. Right? What's that love rooted in? And the, it's the same thing here. Can Bill Gates or the Microsoft Corporation right, itself, can it do some individually good things? Not in the eyes of God. And that's what <laughs> I was saying earlier is that if you're – right, he, if he gives – let's just say he gave a half a billion dollars – to a cause. Let's right. say it was a really good cause. Let's say it was a Christian organization. Yes. But he gave that money. That that gift of him is is accounted to him not as righteousness. Well, that, that we're going back to the issue of merit, right? Right. That it's not meriting him anything. Right. It's because it, without faith, it's sin. Can God use it for good? He, he can and he does and yes. he will, right? Right. <laughs> right. But we're talking about Bill Gates here, right? Who thinks he might be doing a good work, but there is no good without without Christ. Right. So the work itself can be good, but it's attributes to him in, in, in trying to get him merit in some sense, it doesn't. And not only that, not only does it not do good, but it heaps more wrath upon him. Yes. Because why? Because he's doing it out of an act of, of pride and self if, if he, if he, we don't that's know all, his heart. But, that's but, the only way you are. You're either right. a child of God or you're a child of Satan. Not yes. this is the black and white side that we keep talking about, right? It sounds really harsh and I'm not trying to be because yeah, it, it was, it was a nice thing that he did in, in a human sense, Yeah. but I'm talking about in the justice of God, in righteous and in, in, in truth and righteousness, right? It says that if it's done outside of faith, it's sin. Right. And that's... And, and, and we bring we're, again the context of this conversation is back into verse ten in this whole section of are you a child of the of God or a child of the devil right right that that's the that's at, at heart the issue the act itself God can use it for His glory sure. and good and the act itself can be a good thing I mean but the the point is but whose child are you we by no means do we say that they hear at Cornerstone that we are perfect and pure in everything. We are we are a bunch of people in need of a savior. Who uh, we are a hospital for sinners. <laughs> That's exactly right. right yeah. and, and so and and we are on our way. Uh, um, and 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 part of that is an ongoing, regular confession of sin. Mm. When we come and we, why do we preach the gospel every Sunday? Because we need it. Why do we practice? Why do we come to the communion table once a month or on Sunday nights? We do it every Sunday night because we are we are people who need the sacrifice of Christ to remain in fellowship with 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 uh, with Him, and and the, the the communion itself doesn't achieve that. It reminds us, and we participate in, it, and it gives us. It's a means of grace sure. when we preach the word as a means of grace. Um, the Word of God in, in our life every day, the Son of God is that ongoing um, sacrifice that we talked about. He's constantly interceding for us because we need it. Why do we bring this up? Because ch- what is the characterization of the children of the Father? The children of the Father are in that ongoing practice of repentance and turning back and, and, and working out this um, righteousness um, on an ongoing dependent fashion. We only do it through the power of the Spirit 
And the new life that we have is a life that is granted by God. It's his decree that we're adopted into his family through the sacrifice of the son. And if, if, if anything else is highlighted above that, if there's anything else, if we try to present our deeds as the thing instead of the fruit of, of what Christ has given us, our, our works are works um, born out of his grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus, as Ephesians 2.10 says. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, but it all flows out of them. And so as it relates to this, is by this we are children of God. That it's, it's the fatherhood of God given to us in Christ, united by the Spirit, that we do anything. Yeah. And so our righteousness is found in Christ. Our deeds, all these things that he's saying, these characterized life that you look at. So when you come... If you're a member of Cornerstone Church or you ever come and witness our church or witness our, our body life in some way, it's characterized, it should be characterized by that humble submission to Christ. Uh, and anything else then just becomes filthy rags. Exactly. No, yeah. that's, that's great. Well, that about runs us out of time for today. Next time we'll probably be able to finish up chapter three, I think, as we continue through um that that might be a little bit optimistic knowing us but <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully but it, hopefully it, we it, can because it really is it, it's continuing it on with the same thing right as, as we as we live out this love for one another uh, and so um one one last thing before we close here just a question for you thad um back to this identity thing and and, and one of the things we've been saying we want to do here is is this is about proclaiming the gospel right this 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 whole letter, and that we want to tie this to evangelism and witness and, and so forth. And so if we're ever caught in an individual act of sin, right, or, or, and we have to repent, how is that an opportunity for evangelism? How is, this a, how are, is, is even that an opportunity to proclaim the righteousness of Christ? Yeah, well, you're talking about where I may fail or something yeah. like that? Well, yeah, yeah absolutely, and I think— uh, a perfect example of that is trying to live the life of a parent in front of your children, mm. where you're supposed oh, to be great mod- example. Where you're yeah, modeling great example. Christ yeah. um, to your kids, and we often fail. And mm-hmm. it's like our um, when we're cognizant of our relationship with Christ and who we are in Christ, it feels bad to fail in front of your kids. But it's an opportunity to say, "Listen, son. Listen, my, my child, daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I made a mistake." You know, this is part of my weakness. Um, but, you know, as much as I try to be a model for you, your eyes have to be fixed on the only true Savior, which yeah. is Jesus Christ. Right. He's He's the model of perfection, not dad or mom. Right. You know, and so with that, you know, I apologize. I'm going to fail. I failed you now. Right. I'm probably going to fail you again. Um, but, you know, let's let's move on and, and let's glorify God together and, you know, and I've had to do that sometimes, even, you know, if I've scolded my kid for something I thought he did hmm. when he really didn't do it, I had to go back and apologize. Something as simple yeah, as that, you know, sure. I, I made a mistake, right. you know, so I'm not, I'm not perfect and neither, none of us are, but the idea is to, to not bask and wallow in our self-pity over making a mistake, but let's glorify God in it. And the faster that we turn that back over to him, the faster the fellowship's going to be between right. all those relationships. Right. And that's true with everything, you know? 
I mean, that's the life within the body of believers. We we want people to be quick to repent. I mean, it doesn't really matter how big of a sin you've done. Right. You know, the idea is, are you are you showing true repentance? Welcome yeah. back to the fellowship, you know, and help, hopefully to turn their hearts. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, I took maybe took that one step further than what you asked me, but I'm just, uh, well, no, it's such I a think, big thing of our, it's a part of our life as, it as is, believers. It is, and I think when we are transparent in that way, we don't have to be overly transparent. We, have to, we don't have to share every dark, dirty little thing in the sense of getting into the gory details, right. but it is being humble, transparent, and saying, yeah, I, I messed up. And I think I, I find for many people, especially those the Lord are drawing and calling, it's an that becomes an attractive thing, that they, they, they see a community that's willing to enter into restoration, enter into repentance, restoration, and the assurance of pardon, you know, that we will practice sometimes in the, and even during the Lenten season here at church, that we do that. Because it, 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 we recognize that we're all on this journey together. We all have the same need of a Savior. And, and that helps preach and proclaim Christ's sufficiency for all right. when we do that. And yeah. so it's a great opportunity. It is evangelism when we confess sin together and we were restored into Christ and, and we, we talk about that, that that proclaims the gospel to people. And so let's not be afraid of no, it. No, that's absolutely right. And just one more point that crossed my mind. Um, when you're sharing biblical truth with people, be careful um, if you're coming to a topic or a doctrine that you might not be fully assured of how you present that to the people you're talking to say, you know, um, I, I think this is what the Bible is trying to say here, but you need to do some of your own homework, right? Yeah, you know, right. that way it leaves it open because if you, you could lead people astray by not really trying to, by saying, this is what this means right, right? now. I'm not talking some of the foundational things, and this is why we keep studying right. because there's some things that I am absolutely 100% sure about doctrinally. Yeah. Right. Because the scripture just, um, can, you know, just time and time again, right. it's overwhelming with information. So I can give you, hey, I'm telling you what the Bible says right, right. now. This is this is what Christ means by this. Now this over here, man, eh, this is a little side issue. It's not it's not right. maybe one of the mainstay issues. It could be whatever. So we just got to be careful yeah. how we handle it. And I think um, that it's important to um, be careful how you present you know certain things to people, and also be quick to say, hey, you know what? The other day I said something I really, yeah, I might have, I wanted to correct myself because right. especially when you're in the form of a teacher, right? You know, you want to be, you don't want to be a parent to let God be right. glorified in these and, things. And that's why if you if you go to whatever podcast you're listening to this to, if you go to the show notes, you'll find our email addresses. And why are they there? Because we always we want you to one be able to ask us a question anytime, but if you have a correction an admonishment, a rebuke from the scriptures, oh, we would love right? To hear it. We want to hear it, yeah. you know? Um, that's why, you know, part of Thad's email address is, is Timothy 316, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but, that, but, but yeah, please do that because they're there for a reason. We want that, that, that becomes so important because neither of us are sitting up, sitting here as trying to say that we think we're 100% correct all the time. We're, we're doing the best we can with any of this. And even those things that, as Thad shared, that he's so confident and sure on, um, it doesn't mean that there's not a deepening and broadening of that. No, right. So even those things that we know to be true, the, I find myself becoming more sure of them because they get more fully developed and better as 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 we as we sharpen each other in these things. Right, and that's what this whole so, that's what this book is about: to have confidence and to be you exactly know, to have this assurance. So yeah, that's exactly. great. Yeah. All right, well, that's fantastic. Um, well, I'm. 
going to be gone for just a little bit, but otherwise, um, we'll see you next time. And yeah, look forward to keep digging through this. Right. Absolutely. All right. But have a good day, everybody. Yep. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.